Hello, I'm Michael Hainsworth. Green bonds saw explosive growth leading up to the COVID-19 pandemic. In a new report published by the Institute titled, The Next Green Bond Wave, Should Ottawa Step In? The short answer from senior fellow Glenn Hodgson is yes. The international development community has been in the green bond space since their introduction 15 years ago. Governments, state and private enterprise, and financial institutions have all since joined the party. But do the financial festivities resume post-COVID? Hodgson says yes. Yeah, what makes green bonds different is how the funds are used. So it really is about the criteria of their standards that are used to sort of define something as green bond. And that's really at the request of both the investor, but also the issue bonds. So you describe green bonds as a core element of a well-developed system of green finance. What does a well-developed system of green finance look like? Well, there's basically three channels of green finance. I mean, finance is finance, and we're adding green conditions. So it's basically equity investment, debt financing, meaning bank loans, bonds, and then a whole variety of risk management tools, which is a sexy way of saying insurance, insurance products. So a well-developed system be a system that basically establishes criteria and standards and processes for all three. In the area of equity, for example, there's a huge debate uh, raging about the kind of standards that would be put in place for, for business transparency so that your investors can actually see how you're addressing climate risk, whether you're mitigating it, you're adapting your business model, Banks are looking at debt financing. So a number of banks now are ruling out green finance products uh, on the debt side. And of course, green bonds are the, the subject of discussion today. And arguably the insurance world is most advanced. They've been looking at sort of managing climate risk for at least a decade now. And there's a whole variety of new products rolling out that space as well. So that's what a well-developed system looks like. We're not there yet. We're kind of on a journey towards that. Arguably, green bonds are one of the more advanced areas of green finance. The 2019 expert panel on sustainable finance recommended Canada adopt a common international standard for green bonds. Why do green bonds need standards set? Are they not already basically trading properly in a functioning market? Yeah, the green bond market is actually functioning fairly well and is growing very quickly. I think standards are about, A, about efficiency, so that there's kind of one standard that, that uh, the issuers and investors can understand. It's, they're also about effectiveness, ensuring that we're, we're doing enough, that the green bonds are actually being used to fund true green projects. And that's where the debate has been, has been evolving, uh, sort of defining whether it's in renewable energy or uh, climate mitigations, you're actually doing things that deal with the impacts of climate change. And so the, the one standard is to, it really both an efficiency and effectiveness argument roll together. So some of the mandatory practices in place in the EU could be used to set our standards too. Yeah, they could be used. I, I don't think we have to slavishly follow the standards. I mean, the EU is really ahead of every other uh, region in the world right now in terms of green bonds. They have put in place a green bond standard, did that last fall. They're actually discussing now whether that's going to be turned into legislation. So it, it is gradually kind of de facto setting the gold standard for the world. But that doesn't automatically mean that we have to follow this. I think there is a, a space for negotiation, discussion with the Europeans, with the Americans, with others, about what the, what the global standard could look like. And that's where you know, Canada is playing catch up. But uh, we should be part of that bigger conversation about what a global standard could look like. Is there a role for the Bank of Canada in all this? Well, the Bank of Canada has a role 
both in terms of accepting bonds as collateral within bond markets, but also the bank is well aware that um, climate risk is, is real risk to the economy. They're now doing scenario analysis. They're thinking about how markets can evolve over time. So arguably the Bank of Canada, Department of Finance, OSFI, which oversees all of the Canadian banks and financial institutions, they should all be part of the conversation uh, on sending the standards. But the negotiations are usually led by the government itself, not by the central bank. So that would fall to Finance Canada and probably to Environment Climate Change Canada's two lead departments. You argue that as the economy recovers from COVID-19, so should the popularity of green bonds. What's the connection? Well, let's go back a couple of years. So the green bond market's been developing for about 10 years now. 2019 was a watershed year. We saw spectacular growth rates, both globally and in Canada. But the global growth rate was 51%, which is a pretty impressive number. The growth rate in Canada was even higher, 63%. Now, it's a very sort of immature market in Canada. Overall market volumes were about $9 billion in 2019. But when you see that kind of spectacular growth rate, I think it's fair to anticipate that it's going to continue into the future. And most of the financial media around the world early in 2020 were talking about 2020 being a very, very strong year. Like the Financial Times had a lead article early in 2020 talking about ongoing spectacular growth. And then COVID and the, and the shutdown hit. And of course, almost everything slowed down. We don't have Canadian data, but the European data suggests that um, the markets pulled back by about 25% in 2020. So there's a pullback in the green bond market. But, you know, being an old forecaster, given what the trend lines look like in 2018 into 2019, I think it's fair to assume, and also given the kind of media coverage and, and so popular conversations going on right now about, about climate policy and adaptation to climate change, I think it is fair to assume that the market is going to bounce back at some point. Maybe not bounce back with the same rigor, or maybe with a bit of a, of a boost, uh, it might actually come back even stronger. It sounds like what you're saying is this is a pent-up demand suggestion. What, though, of the idea that COVID-19 has turned the planet on its head, metaphorically speaking, and, and has given us an opportunity to make wholesale changes to the way we operate this planet in the first place. I'm not going to use the, the phrase build back better, which is kind of the jingoism that's being used by the politicians. But you're absolutely right. Um, this is an opportunity to kind of rethink the economic model and the integration between the economy and the environment that we're seeing. And you, for example, uh, during the shutdown, global demand for oil fell by about 8%, sort of collapsed. And there's a lot of debate amongst analysts whether we've now seen the sort of the peak of demand for oil. That would be one area. Green bonds are another area where we can rethink how the proceeds from, from bond issues are going to be used. Clearly, there's a need to invest in, and I'll use all the all the language from the from the environmental side, in climate mitigation, so limiting the impact of climate change, climate adaptation, actually doing things differently. And I think that's where you were focusing, Michael, actually thinking about how to build more resilience in our economy, but also how to seize the opportunities being presented by green growth, actually investing in renewable energy sources and, and carbon capture and storage from oil and gas. There's a whole variety of investments that can be made to reposition the economy to still be robust with growth, but kind of delink it from the level of, of greenhouse gas emissions. So you can have fairly intense growth but with lower emissions uh, kind of as a, as, as a companion. 
So while green bonds started as a public sector response to climate change, commercial issuers have responded. Can you look at how they responded through 2018 into 2019 pre-COVID for insight into how they'll respond post-COVID? Yeah, I think, it, and I'll focus on Canada here, you can see both the overall volume of, of green bond issues growing very rapidly and the number of issues. And most of the new issuers were, were corporate players or sort of quasi-public entities like, like Crown Corporations, transit authorities. So you see more Canadian uh, banks on the list. You see pension funds, a variety of pension funds. You also see pools of private capital. So an issue like Brookfield Renewable Partners provided a big issue. So you see players like that entering the market. And that really indicates that it's becoming, it's moving into the mainstream. Green bonds are not kind of a, a shoulder product anymore. There's something that major bond issuers of all types, both public sector and private sector, are looking to, to raise capital for green purposes. How would green bonds be used as a transition for the oil and gas industry or, or other emissions intensive sectors? Well, that's kind of the big next issue. I think it's very good to ask that question. First of all, there's a conversation going on right now based at the Canadian Standards Association, largely involving institutional investors, the, the Bay Street banks, about transition finance. So we don't have a taxonomy yet. We don't actually have a kind of a, a definition of what transition finance is. But that's being developed. Um, I think it's being developed fairly quickly. I would expect something maybe early to mid this year in terms of an announcement of what the standard might be initially as a Canadian standard. And that would be in addition to the green bond activities. You're absolutely right. Uh, if transition is going to happen to the oil and gas sector, it's going to have to keep attracting capital. And capital that's really aimed at, at assisting companies, technology developers, and firms making investment to put in place smarter techniques so they can continue to operate, but reduce the level of emissions from that, their activities. So transition bonds would kind of build on the activity right now in green bonds and be the next big issue. It could be a big issue for Canada. It also should be a big issue globally for other countries that are major resource producers like the United States, Australia, uh, countries in the Middle East. And, and here's where what Canada is doing right now could become part of a bigger global conversation about moving towards regional, multilateral, ideally global standards when it comes to transition finance. And transition bonds would be a big part of that. So who would be attracted to a green transition bond in, in the oil patch? Foreign investors? Well, it, it should be both the issuers. So the major producers in the sector that are looking for capital that have already tapped into bond markets historically. And I won't mention firm names, but you can imagine the, the kind of major players. Bond markets, by the way, are not really an instrument used by smaller companies. They're really for the big guys with multi-billion dollar balance sheets. Um, so you would have the issues, but also the investors. There should be appetite in Canada. Uh, there should be appetite in Wall Street. So we should be able to attract American capital, which has historically been a big part of our inflows of capital. But ideally, you would, you would open it up and start to attract uh, international investors as well. So investment coming from Europe and Asia, in addition to the domestic and North American sources of capital. So what do we do? Just call on the EDC to start banging the drum? They could be an early issuer. So EDC may have a different kind of role. EDC had been the major federal player mm -hmm. in green bond markets up to the announcement in the economic statement last fall that the feds are going to issue their own green bond. But EDC could certainly, because EDC is involved in transition finance, they'll be part of the sort of the transition in the energy and resource sector in Canada. 
So EDC could certainly play a role as an early issue of a transition bond. You described green bonds as the second best approach to addressing greenhouse gas emissions. What's the best? Thinking about the entire financial system, uh, first of all, but the single best approach would be to put a price on what are called negative externalities in economics. So I, you know, as an economist, I believe the price system is more efficient and more effective than regulation. So the single best approach would be to have a, a carbon price. And of course, Canada's already there. Uh, we've been there for some time now. Alberta was actually the leader putting a price on major emitters back over a decade ago. The feds, of course, have followed up in the last four or five years with, with, the, so with the, the pan-Canadian framework. And of course, we now have a federal, federal government commitment to, to raise the carbon price to $170 a tonne by around 2030. So we're making progress on that front. If we already had kind of the optimal carbon price, there actually wouldn't be a need for green bonds. I mean, the carbon price is still far below what's seen as kind of the optimal price to achieve our, our Paris targets. And so green bond markets have developed kind of in the absence of, of more, more expansive policy. So you're calling on the federal government to engage all available economic and policy instruments to meet the net zero emissions by 2050. If a green bond is an economic instrument, what does a policy instrument look like? Tax breaks? Well, it could be tax incentives. I mean, there were one of the recommendations in the expert panel report, Michael, that you mentioned earlier, was to provide a kind of a modest tax incentive boost for firms to enter the green bond market to deal with the, the cost of entry. I'm personally not convinced that we need that. I think we should wait and see how the market develops, whether we need that. But the whole gamut of the kind of investments that the, the governments are going to support, uh, the kind of regulations we put in place, carbon pricing works well in certain areas. There are other areas, for example, um, uh, um, methane emissions, greenhouse gas emissions from methane, where the price signal is not very effective. So you need regulations in areas like that. You would need things like building codes, uh, um, low-carbon fuel standards. You can think about all the tools right now that, that are being developed. As an economist, I would like to see the price system as the anchor. So the carbon price for me is kind of the fundamental policy. But then you have layers of other policies and interventions, whether it's investment, regulation, uh, other guidance. And the, the fact that the Fed is now committed to enter the green bond market is a, kind of another tool being added to the toolkit. So post-COVID-19, whenever that comes, what does the green bond market look like to you? Well, I think we'll see a bounce back. I think we'll probably see the, the bond market growing in double digits again in Canada for a number of years to come. So growth of between 25 and 50% quite conceivable in the following years. The feds as an issuer will put in place kind of an anchor. It'll there'll be a, a strong reference point. I call them micro factors, but a setting a, a pricing point for the rest of the bond market. It'll add more liquidity to the market, so there will actually be more, more scope for trading in bond markets. And then you'll have healthy growth going forward in the green bar, bond market. At some point, we will then add a transition bond market as well, so that firms in the, in the oil patch will have access to bond market capital as they invest in the transition, and then steady growth kind of going forward over the next decade. I remember in the early days of ESG-based investing, there was a lot of skepticism uh, about green bonds. Do you get the sense that we've gotten past that? Yeah, I think I think the whole ESG sort of uh, reality has, has gone from kind of a shoulder activity to the mainstream. And so I see it now mainstreaming it 
um, for for both seekers of capital and providers of capital. That's kind of the, the rules of the game now. Firms are now expecting more and more to have to kind of operate in an ESG space to find a good policy. Green bond market, uh, green bonds are just another sort of demonstration of uh, business and government commitment to the kind of low carbon transformation we're already in the middle of. Glenn, thank you so much for your time and insight. A pleasure as always. Glenn Hodgson is a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute. I'm Michael Hainsworth. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the C.D. Howe Institute podcast with Michael Hainsworth. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. The C.D. Howe Institute is an independent, not-for-profit research institute whose mission is to raise living standards by fostering economically sound public policies. The Institute is widely considered to be Canada's most influential think tank and a trusted source of essential policy intelligence, distinguished by nonpartisan, evidence-based research and subject to definitive expert review. Visit cdhow.org and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.